Um, but it's nice. Anyway, this evening, uh, Marion Owen wants to come with me. She looks forward to coming to Pentecost, obviously because of the singing as well, as also seems to uh, people here. So tonight, although I was told this morning is harvest, I'm going to preach a harvest sermon tonight as well. All right, is that okay? All right, fine. Um, we have a field. Uh, oh, my wife has a field uh, next to the house, and we uh, fenced it off because the person just up the lane from us decided he wanted to put five dark more sheep on it, big fluffy sheep. And so we had sheep. Each year they bring the sheep there and uh, they crop our grass and they have to cut it. They crop it well. But I've noticed that every time I used to go to the fence, they'd come running. Do you know why they came running? Because they believed that when somebody like myself and the farmer came, they would have food. They're not stupid, are they? <coughs> Sheep are wise. So they come. I noticed too, in their farm, they have hens. And the hens tend to come to the, bar, to the wire netting for the same reason. That they'll be thrown food. Now, I was thinking about that when I looked at Psalm 145, particularly verse 15. 145 verse 15. The psalmist says, The eyes of all wait upon thee, and you give them their food in due season. So just like the sheep and the hens and all the other animals that are fed, the psalmist says, you feed them. Their eyes are upon you. And you feed them. I wonder this morning whether that really is true. Is it true we can say, the eyes of all wait upon thee? I look at this church. I think of all of you here, and then I look at the village. I went for a ride because I was early, away up the village. Didn't realise there were so many houses up that way. I wonder how many people will be in other churches in the village. The Anglican Church, uh, the Baptist Church, and any other church. But the psalmist says, the eyes of all wait upon thee. And so I want to speak about this this morning. It is a picture of the harvest. The God who gives. And when I read those words, the eyes of all look to thee, I realise that what he's reminding us of is our utter and total dependence upon God. Very simple. But today I don't think people realise that or appreciate it. The eyes of all wait upon thee, says the psalmist. And we sing, all good gifts around us are sent from heaven above. Then thank the Lord. Oh, thank the Lord for all his love. God is the one who's in control and we are dependent upon him. And this truth, simple as it is, and maybe we know it so well, is to be found almost throughout the Bible. 
It's certainly found in the Psalms, but it's found in other passages, isn't it? Constantly hammering out, you are dependent upon God. You live and have your being only because he's good and kind. And so I quote him in prayer. He caused the sun to shine upon the righteous and the unrighteous. Even upon undeserving people. And who would submit that they're undeserving? Are we not all undeserving? But he caused the sun to shine upon the righteous and the unrighteous. Our total dependence upon him. The eyes of all wait upon you. I was reminding myself of what Isaiah wrote in his first chapter. Isaiah had a complaint against God's people. And the complaint he had was a very simple complaint. He could very well be God's complaint upon men and women in this world today. He says, they forget. The donkey remembers who fed him, but you have forgotten me. You're unmindful of me. You act as if I don't exist. And certainly I'm not the one upon whom you are dependent. And I suppose living in our situation today, there are certain obvious reasons why this forgetfulness, why that failure to recognize our dependence upon God is true. We live in a very materialistic age, do we not? An age with which everybody's out for what they can get. They grab. And it doesn't matter where you look, or even the newspapers you read, again and again, this is spoken and described. Men's utter greed. Living their own life their way, but all out for things. And my wife was talking about... Uh, uh, school teachers, sorry about that, but she was a school teacher once, and she says, you know what, they're always asking to do more. Less time to do it, but more. And they're up in arms. said, don't they realise that compared with many people, teachers are well paid. They don't work a 48-hour week or any more. said, I know they have to mark papers. But I used to have to mark papers. I used to have to prepare. But I got more week, more holidays than most people. And all the while, it's this constant chain. Is it? We're not getting enough, we want more. We don't want to work as, as much as we do, we want less time, we want more holidays. They live, they live. The world in which we live is a greedy world. And sometimes we find ourselves submitting and acting in the same way. That's one reason. The other reason is because of these things. Things. I wonder how many people believe that food comes in tins and is provided. I'm convinced that in many places People have, youngsters haven't got a clue about where food really comes from. And if you say, where does your food come from? They mean Tesco's. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's a horrible fact, you know. 
And that's why I keep saying it's good to have a harvest thanksgiving service because it's pointed at us. We depend upon God for our food and our sustenance. But we live in a materialistic age. We live in a mechanical age. And it blinds our eyes to where everything actually originates in God. But then there's another reason. I remember reading uh, a parody on Psalm 8. You know what Psalm 8 is? O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And the parody said, O man, O man. And it went on to deify man. Isn't that something else? Men do it. Man's responsible. We deify mankind. And when we've done that uh, to a large extent, and sometimes we've really ruled the day that we ever did it. We deify mankind. But this particular psalm again, with a lot of the scriptures, just brings us back to square one. It says, wait a moment, start to think. Remember that God is the one who gives. And you're dependent upon him. You're dependent on him for every breath you take. Dependent upon him for the sun that shines and the water we have. You depend upon him for the seasons that come in their root. And what the psalmist is really saying is, he says we ought to give up the pride of man and realise our humble dependence upon almighty God. So that's the first thing that the psalm reminds us of. Secondly, it reminds us of the generosity of God. The generosity of God and his constancy. You give them their food in due season, he said. Returning to the picture of the hens, uh, the farmer's wife or the farmer himself or anybody else is feeding. Do they give just one little seed? Do they? Be honest. How do they feed hens? Handfuls. Isn't that right? You see, God isn't a mingy God. And I'll tell you something else. He will never go to the cupboard like old Mother Hubbard did and find the place spare. God gives in a very generous way. I was reminding myself of some of the verses that we are familiar with in the Bible, the pictures that we read about. The wedding in Cana of Galilee. How upset they were, embarrassed. Because they ran out of wine. And the hostess came to Jesus and said, Look, they've got no wine, we've run out. And he said to them, all right. And he made a, did a miracle. But the interesting thing is, the people commented afterwards, they drank and drank and drank, and they said, the last wine is better than the first wine. That's God. His generosity. And what about the hymn that we sometimes sings, sing? He gives and gives and gives again. 
is nothing. Not mingy, not me, but giving. And then I thought, my, hang on a minute, that's what the psalmist is saying. In verse 7 and verse 8, they celebrate your abundant goodness. Abundant. Not goodness, abundant goodness. And they joyfully sing of your righteousness. And then I reminded myself of Psalm 23. I love Psalm 23. Simple, I understand it. My cup runs over. Full to the brim and overflowing. Isn't that how God deals with us? Honestly now, isn't that how he deals with us? Not mingly, not a, a, a spare hand, but... Generous, generously. Indeed, the very fact we're here this morning is because he's dealt generously with us. His generous, generosity is very consistent. You know, sometimes we're generous and sometimes we're not. It all depends on mood, doesn't it? Are you moody people? Did you admit you were moody? No, yeah. Impatient. But we can all admit that at times when we get up the wrong side of the bed, can't we? And if people look at us, only look at us, don't say anything, we're up in arms. But God's not like that. God is consistent. It's not a question of mood or compatibility. It's just because who he is. He's God. And then, when we think of his uh, generosity, we think about the fact he, it is unmerited. It's unmerited, isn't it? I remember reading about the person who came one day and said, look, this idea of generosity, this idea that I depend upon God, this kind of idea that's unmerited, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. God can be what he likes. I said, well, then the uh, writer said, have you ever thought what would happen to you <coughs> if you were to be treated by God as you treat him? What if God dealt with us according to our men? Just imagine. What would happen if God dealt with us as we merited? And so this morning I want to remind you that your, your grace that's given to you, your gifts that come, are unmerited. And then I remember the psalm, Psalm 103. It's a great psalm again. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. Then he goes on to say, who forgives your sins, who heals your sicknesses, and so on. God, this great God whom we worship, awesome in, in might, in, maj in majesty. God, 
God over all. God is so great that we can't even begin to understand it, His greatness. And let's remind ourselves that even the greatest nation on earth is as but a drop in the bucket. But He's mindful of you, and He's mindful of me as an individual. He's mindful of us, mindful of our families. He does not. Reward us, says the psalmist, going on, according to our sins and iniquities. He doesn't deal with us like that. And that's why the psalmist begins a psalm and the, the refrain runs throughout the psalm. Well then, praise him. Praise him. Now, sometimes people talk about praise in a rather cold way, don't they? Oh, I'm going to praise. Almost a duty. I'm going to do something. God has to be praised. It's a duty. But there's something in the psalmist and in the other psalm, there's a vibrancy about when he speaks about praise. Praise the Lord. And you can imagine his whole being is welling up, filling up as he begins to think of what that praise will mean and how that praise will be given. It will be our duty. Praise will be our duty if we believe that we have a right to it, to the things we have. If you and I think we deserve it, then why do we praise Him? If it's a duty, we won't praise Him. I was thinking about a, a story I heard about a, a lady who took some deaf and, yes, deaf and blind people to the circus. And she wondered, well, blind people will see, will not see, but will hear, but deaf people will hear and not see. And she said, what happened? I was watching, I was listening. She said, I could hear the, the blind children say, oh, isn't it a pity? Isn't it a pity that, sorry, blind people, it's a pity they can't hear what's going on. They can't hear the lovely music. They can't rejoice. And the blind and the deaf people say, isn't it a pity that we can see all the colors and all the actions. My friends, if we are like those children, then we will praise him for our faculties, for our sight, however impaired it may be. For our hearing, however impaired it may be, we'll praise Him because we're the recipients of all good gifts, all good things around us, all things bright and beautiful, we say. We'll praise Him. And then we'll praise Him because that will be the outcome of our recognition that we're dependent upon God. Praise is the outcome of that sense of dependency upon him. Praise is also a daily thing. Not just half a Thanksgiving. Not just some special service. It's a daily thing. That's why we say grace at our meals. Or oh, if we do. Grace is good to do. It reminds us that whilst we may have to admit that 
men have had their place in this whole scheme of things. Ultimately, it's God who receives our thanks. So we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for my goodness. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for the food and my tea. I remember when Josh, Matt's son, used to be very young. You could tell how hungry he was by the grace that he said. Or the length of the grace. If, if he was really hungry, it would be a short grace. If he, if he wasn't so hungry, I didn't like the food. He'd go on and on and God for all kinds of things. But grace. Grace. The grace of God in giving us food. It's also all embracing. It's all embracing. I remember, wasn't there a book that came out by a fellow called Carolus, who made a lot about praising God for absolutely everything. He said, if a woman drops some peas on the floor, she praises God. Now, I can't see that. But... <laughs> But I can understand what he was trying to say. It's all embracing. One day a man, a preacher, came to our little uh, village church. It was a very terrible day. It was raining, just like we've had the rain. And it was cold. And the congregation waiting for him wondered what he was going to say because he always thanked God that he was able to come. And said, surely... Today he will not be thanking God. He's wet, he's soaked, he's cold. And yet he came in and said, oh, I thank God. I was able to come today. In spite of the weather, I was able to come. My friend, it's one thing to praise God when things are going well for us, isn't it? What about when things are not so good? Praising God, thanking him, this abundant goodness. And then how do we praise him? Well, says the hymnist, we praise him with hands and voices. We praise him with all we have, whole being involved in this act of worship and thanksgiving. The psalmist in Psalm 116 asks the question, how can I praise God? And this is how he answers. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? Verse 17 of Psalm 116. I will sacrifice a thanks offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of his people. Praise the Lord. So the act of praising includes remembering our vows. I wonder whether we remember our vows or we thank God. The vow that we made to follow him wherever he was, wherever he led us. You know, we sing sometimes quite enthusiastically, all the way my Saviour leads us. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy who through life has been my guide? Do we sing like that? Or do we feel, no, I don't feel like it. My friends, praise the Lord. Remember the vows you made. Remember that he stooped down to heaven from heaven in his beloved son and provided a wonderful way of salvation for you. Praise the Lord. Praise him with all your being. Praise him with hands and hearts and voices. 
praise him. Let's do just that as we come to our last hymn.